everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today I'm going to talk about the energy crisis in Europe. I'm going to talk about how we got here, what's happening, and what some future aspects could look like. I try to remove all sensationalism from my work, so if you're looking for straightforward analysis around this situation, hopefully that is what this will be. How did we get here? As I've said many, many times, you can't have green energy policy without green energy investment. Europe made the decision to focus a lot on renewables over the past couple of years or so. And as a consequence, they ended up really relying on Russia. They reduced their own energy independence and Russia became a low cost solution for them to get access to gas primarily. Gazprom was supplying about a third of all gas consumed in Europe at one time. And it makes total sense because Russia is one of the world's top producers of natural gas and has a bunch of it because of the layout of Siberia and the land itself. So the relationship between Europe and Russia was solid for a while. However, the flashing red bells really began in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea and Europe was like, well, you know, this Russian gas is pretty cheap. <laughs> Surely annexing Crimea isn't that bad, right? Of course it was that bad. It showed that Russia was politically unstable. It showed that maybe the gas flows that they were so reliant on wasn't going to be as reliable moving forward. And Germany was a top offender of all of this, relying on Russia for more than half of their gas and a third of their oil. This dependency has declined to 26% for gas and 12% for crude, but still a pretty big dependency on a country that showed that they maybe could not be relied on moving forward. Basically, Russia was the least expensive source of energy in town, and it seemed, despite red flags, we've all been there, that the relationship was stable. But it wasn't. Having more than 50% of your gas coming from an actor that showed instability in political decision-making is not good. That reliance on gas really ended up harming Europe. And that gets us to now, where Europe is being very harmed. What's impacting energy markets right now? There's a couple of different things. The first point is a broader slowdown. So in the oil market, crude futures, which represent future contracts of oil, have lost 20% in the past three months on worries of a global economic slowdown, which of course has worried OPEC, which is one of the top producers of oil. They're worried about their money flows and revenue windfall that they've had from having oil at high prices. Today, oil has traded much, much lower. It's down below $90 a barrel. People are very worried about the price of oil. If you're an oil producer, you're going to be paying very close attention to that. The reason that oil has gone down in price is because of a slowdown across the entire world. China is one of the best examples of this slowdown. They're the world's biggest oil importer and have showed signs of an economic slowdown because they keep on going back into lockdown. Consumption sank 9.7% in July because of weaker business activity and harsh COVID-19 lockdowns. The US is slowing down too. They've made it really, really clear that they want to have tight monetary policy because they want the economy to slow down. So OPEC is looking at all of this and saying, okay, we're not going to be producing as much oil because there is going to be a broader economic slowdown. The second aspect is the war in Ukraine. So Russia invaded Ukraine at the beginning of this year, which resulted in sanctions being levied against Russia by other nations. The sanctions are supposed to harm Russia's revenue flows, which has worked, but Russia has also snuck around some of it. And the sanctions are harming Russia, both from an agricultural, pharmaceutical, technological perspective. Russia is going to fall far behind because they just don't have access to things that they need in order to produce things internally. Russia actually had a document that was released that was supposed to be a secret saying that Russia is concerned about this economic slowdown. However, one thing that the sanctions really haven't touched to a certain extent, as much as maybe countries have wanted them to, is energy. Europe was like, well, we can't really sanction energy. And it was like a whole thing for a while where Europe was like, well, you know, we really need energy from Russia. We're going to keep on letting them do this thing, which has provided a substantial amount of revenue to Russia. So not only have they had revenue from Europe, but they've also tried to work with Asian countries to get some long-term oil contracts at steep discounts for those Asian countries to have different 
revenue sources outside of the West. And Gazprom and CNPC have agreed to do a ruble one currency exchange. Gazprom said that it will shift its contract to supply gas to China in rubles from euros as the Kremlin steps up efforts to move to trade out of currencies it considers unfriendly, such as the US dollar, such as the euro. So Russia and China have developed this deal where they're essentially evading Western currency. How is Russia doing? They need these alternative revenue sources at this point. They no longer have access to the West, as I talked about. So they are sort of falling behind technologically and they need a way to have money because the West is cracking down. Last week, uh, the G7 nations implemented a price cap. So Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the UK, the US, and the European Union have all agreed to a price cap on Russian oil aimed at curbing the Kremlin's revenue. It's not really clear when the price cap will be implemented. The G7 said we're going to invite all countries to provide input on the price cap design and implement this important measure, but it's a nightmare. Nobody really knows what's going on. It just might happen. And of course, Russia is going to retaliate. On the same day that the deal was agreed, Russia announced that it had cut gas supply to Europe through Nord Stream 1, had completely cut it off indefinitely. And they said, hey, you're not allowing us to do maintenance, so we're not going to be able to provide you gas. And now Europe has no access to gas through this main pipeline, which is a really big problem. Also, around the same time frame, OPEC was like, hey, we're going to reduce global oil production. So going back to that point about an economic slowdown, they said, hey, things are slowing down. We're not going to be producing as much oil. So all of a sudden, supply is being cut across the board. Gas and oil are two different things, but essentially energy itself is the supply is being constrained. Russia said it will not resume supplies to Europe until the collective West lifts sanctions against Moscow over its invasion of Ukraine. So Russia is trying to find a different solution. They're going to Asian countries. They're trying to price out stuff with China. But the thing is, can Russia's infrastructure even support that? Russia is locked into different services because the gas pipes, right? You can't really turn your pipes around and put them somewhere else. The infrastructure is in place to go to the West, to go to Europe. So Russia is in a bad spot. Russia is as reliant on Europe as Europe is on Russia just because of the infrastructure itself. Europe is reliant on Russia because poor energy policy decisions. And OPEC is sort of exacerbating the whole situation and cutting production because they're worried about oil prices to stabilize global markets. And another sort of exacerbator of the whole situation is a strong dollar. So a strong dollar is making energy more costly because countries that import oil pay for it in the dollar and those that export the commodity receive payment in US dollars. So a stronger US dollar is going to weigh on oil because it makes this dollar price commodity more expensive for holders of other currencies. So it's a whole mess and a whole situation. It's not good because it gets into that point of there's just not enough supply. And so going back to the idea about gas, I know I've been sort of like combining the two, but it's really just a broader energy supply crunch. So why is Russia's cutoff a big deal? Why is it important that they fill sites? Germany is unlikely to meet its target for filling natural gas storage sites to 95% because of the Russian supply cut. And this is important because natural gas is used for power, electricity, and space heating, and it's super seasonal. So they have to have enough going into the wintertime to make sure that there aren't blackouts, to make sure that people don't freeze. And now there's worries that there won't be enough. As the CEO of German utility company said, it might be difficult to reach storage goals, and it all depends on the weather and how demand will develop. Of course, if you want to control this, right, you can't really control weather, but you can control the latter half of that, which is demand. And that gets into the idea of will there be energy rationing in order for Germany to maintain enough supply? Will we see people have to manage that demand aspect of this because you really can't manage weather and now it's uncertain as to where supply is going to come from? And so what is Europe's overall response to this? So the EU is weighing new benchmarks and price caps and they're just trying to combat these spiking energy costs. They're going to meet on Friday to discuss a planned emergency intervention in the energy market and they've been intervening a lot leading up to this. Germany had a big $7 billion euro loan program for companies that were facing liquidity 
security issues because of what is happening in Ukraine. And Finland and Sweden had a $33 billion emergency liquidity facility to backstop utilities through loans and credit guarantees. And the UK is really stepping it up. They just got a new PM, Liz Truss, and they are going to have £130 billion freeze on household energy bills and a potential $40 billion freeze for small businesses just so these uh, so households and small businesses can manage the energy costs. The government would reimburse energy suppliers further losses and the price of energy charged to businesses would be reviewed quarterly. So it's a lot of intervention in the energy markets, a lot of trying to plan around what could potentially happen to energy markets in general. The energy costs in Europe are expected to increase by $2 trillion according to a Goldman Sachs report. That is a huge increase collectively. It's expected to be 15% of Europe's gross domestic product, energy bills. That is a lot, a lot of money and that's a huge, huge increase and there's domino impacts from that as well. Factories are already suffering, which impacts production, which impacts how people consume. 13% of factories have reduced hours of operation and 7% are holding production for longer stretches and also markets are grinding too. So not only is this impacting like molecules, which is like physical energy, but it's also impacting markets. There's a potential $1.5 trillion in margin calls coming and this is really where central banks have to step up and intervene which is super concerning so you not only have massive support for utility companies but you also have potential massive support for markets so it's kind of a two-pronged fork that they're shoving into the energy outlet right now to try and fix this yeah so what's next germany is going to shut down one nuclear plant and keep two of them in reserve until April 2023 for emergencies. Keep them in reserve for emergencies. How is this not an emergency? <laughs> Japan decided to reopen nine nuclear facilities by year end because the the energy costs, but Germany is kind of like no nuclear power, which is a little, it's a little silly, one would say. And as we think about alternatives, which would be nuclear, coal is unfortunately one of the alternatives as well, but coal prices have surged amid record predictions for stronger demand from Europe because of uncertainty over gas flows, right? So people, Europe is going to be like, give us some coal. The coal market is not doing that well. Coal output is experiencing a sharp, sudden contraction because of disruption to exports. Miners are like, whoa, it's really unsafe over here. It's less efficient and there's less output and we don't have the spare parts and equipment that we need in order to produce coal. So not only are we seeing a big disruption in natural gas and oil, but we're also seeing a big disruption in coal. Yikes. And what's really interesting about this is China somehow has the upper hand here. So because China's economy is slowing down and because they're one of the top buyers of natural gas, Europe has been buying Russian gas through China, which is so, so interesting. The thing is, this gives, of course, China a little bit more political leverage and the more power that China's policy decisions will have for Europe moving forward. The irony is, quote, as Europe attempts to wrestle out of its dependence on Russia for energy, the irony is it's becoming more dependent on China. It's not good. There are signs that Russia is potentially going to have a slowdown. They're trying to get away from the US dollar, but it's sort of interesting because everything is sort of tied to the US dollar, including energy. It's sort of hard to get away from, especially right now because it's so strong. And that's really important for decision makers to pay attention to. And of course, this is not just Europe. Like in California, there are rolling blackouts because the grid is overwhelmed. As I've said so many times, you can't have green energy policy without green energy investment. And unfortunately for us to make a proper transition, you do have to rely on fossil fuels for a sustainable amount of time. You can't just rotate away from something energy-wise as soon as you want to. Energy is the common denominator. It goes into everything. It goes into products. It goes into the computer that you're probably watching this on or your phone. It goes into heating. It goes into food. It goes into fertilizer. And so there's all these dominoes that come if energy is not properly maintained. One beneficial of all of this is candle makers. So candle maker sales have increased 800% in Italy because of this. There's always that. Fortunately, the 
governments are going to intervene as much as they can. There are solutions like, like Europe buying energy from China. It's good that we're seeing a little bit of a decline in oil prices. There has to be other solutions and that gets into more wind power, more renewable power, but that requires investment and that requires relying on things like nuclear power moving forward. You can't just rely on one source of energy. You have to have a diversified portfolio of it. Yeah, that's what's going on with energy markets in Europe and here in the United States as well. And it is interesting and it's rapidly unfolding. So thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Substack as well. I'll have a newsletter out this weekend and I hope that you're doing well, staying safe, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.